you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, good morning. Uh, I think we've all asked that question at some point, uh, and maybe even more so over the last several months. You know, why does God allow a Robbie Strausser at the age of 35 to die, to have three little girls who will grow up never being able to have their dad there at some very important times in their life? You know, why, why does God allow the things we see on our TV screens? A five-year-old boy in North Carolina shot by his neighbor. Why does God allow all of the unrest, all the, the hurt and pain and sorrow and suffering that you just scroll through social media, you turn on the television, you talk to somebody? Why does God allow in, in Iowa, maybe you saw this news or didn't, I was texting with one of our families, the Van Kootens, who come down during the winter. You realize half of the entire soybean and corn crop was destroyed this week. A, a, what they call an inland hurricane hit Iowa. How, how many of y'all are hearing this for the first time? Wow, right? Um, I, I mean, the, the, the amount of, I mean, if God is so good, I mean, really, why would God allow all that damage uh, through the state of Iowa? And, and right now in Iowa, one out of four people, in the entire state, one out of four people, are without electricity. I mean, you just, you ask the questions over and over, why does God allow all these things to happen? This is really important. If you're thinking about maybe checking out or scrolling through your phone or shutting down wherever you're watching on social media, this study this morning is important for two reasons. Number one is, is if we can begin to understand what God's up to, why God allows this, it will strengthen your faith. So if you're a person of faith today, this Bible study is like really important to you. And then second, if you've got somebody in your life, like a family member, uh, a coworker, uh, a good friend, who like they know that you're a Christ follower, that you've got faith, but they often always say to you, right? So if, if God's so good, if God's in control of everything, why does God let all of the pain, sorrow, suffering, evil to happen in the world? Now, my, my role this morning is not to try to be some kind of uh, answer man for you, to show up in your life and say, here's exactly why. Because number one, um, my name is Mark and it is not God, okay? My role today is to point you to him. I'll let him do all the convincing in your mind. But if you would, grab your Bible, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, you might know that chapter from weddings as the love chapter, right? Uh, but at the very end of that chapter, there's, there's a verse that really describes how we live our lives today. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. So you have to turn on your digital device or join me in your Bible. Uh, it's important. L listen, in, in a world where uh, you kind of wonder what's right, what's wrong, what's up, what's down, what's left what's right is we've got to have a relationship with God in his word how do you know something's right God go to God now notice what he says 
in verse number 12. Now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Isn't that so true? Don't, don't you look at life right now and you see it so imperfectly? You, you're looking at something and, and you're trying to figure this out. How, how did these events happen? It's certainly like two plus two might equal four in the classroom, but in life, two plus two doesn't equal four. You, you scratch your head and you're like, how can somebody think that? How could somebody say that? How, how would they allow something like that, right? We look at life right now imperfectly. That's not new. The Apostle Paul, over 2,000 years ago, he was saying to the church there, hey, listen, I know you guys are looking at the landscape. You're looking at, at politics and economics, and you're looking at relationships, and you're like, I, I, this doesn't, this isn't, I mean, wait a second. I mean, remember that couple? They, they walked down an aisle. Remember they were in a church. Remember they exchanged their vows to one another. And then one of them changed their mind. It doesn't make sense. Wait, what's going on here? Paul says, listen, right now, right now as we look, we see it imperfectly. It's like puzzling reflections in the mirror. But then we will see, future tense, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Just let that settle on you right now. Because here's, we all want to know the whole story right now. We want to know how it's going to work out. Am I, if I'm single, am I going to get married? If I'm married, am I, my marriage is kind of on the rocks. Is, is my marriage going to make it, right? I, I, hey, listen, is there going to be a vaccine by the end of this year? Is it 21? Well, I mean, right, we, we live our lives as human beings that we want to have it all figured out yesterday and what God's saying to all of us Christ followers if you are a follower of Jesus what God is saying in his word right now let me tell you you won't need the and assets no longer if you come to he says you're going to look at things right now partially and incomplete that's where we are right now this partial and incomplete view of what's happening in life but then, future tense, there will be a day when we will see everything completely. The challenge for all of us right now is we don't see that day today. We don't see how it's all going to work out today. We want to know how it's going to get fixed right now in this place, in this spot. What's going to happen when our students go back to school? Is there going to be an outbreak? Is there not going to be an outbreak? Is it all going to be okay? What's exactly going? We want to know exactly. And what God is telling us in his word is right now today, one of the challenges of being a human being in the time and space that we live is you don't know exactly how everything's going to work out. It's true back in the Bible. There's a guy named Job, right? I mean, Job, he, he was living life like you were living your life. Things were going along just fine. And then some really terrible, no good, bad things happened. His kids died. He lost all of his money, all of his resource, lost his career. His wife became so upset with him. She said to him, why don't you curse God and die? All of his friends turned on him. All of his church-going friends crossed their arms and said, what did you do to God to make him so mad at you? Certainly you did something really, really, really bad. God's mad at you. He's punishing you. Why don't you just confess it to God and get it? 
I'm sure Job's sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I, I don't understand, I don't get. How about that young girl named Esther? Her parents died. She's taken, in, in our language today, human trafficking, she's taken from her nation, and she's now in this foreign pagan nation. The king of that nation gets upset with his queen and says, I don't want you no more. So they took all the pretty young girls and they primped them up and paraded them before the king and the king kind of looked them up and looked them down and then they were required to sleep with him and if they found favor they would become the next queen if not they were just put in kind of the back room called a concubine for the rest of their life I'm sure at that point she's thinking I, I, I how could God, how could a good God, Jehovah, allow something like this? See, in that moment, in that time, she didn't know the rest of the story. How about Mary? I mean, really? Like, all of a sudden, hey, uh, Mary, um, I'm an angel of the Lord. I'm sending you a text. Um, I just want you to know something, girlfriend. You pregnant? What, what? Yeah, and you got to tell Joe about it. And make sure you tell Joe that you weren't with nobody else, that God did it. I mean, in that moment, she's seeing imperfectly. In that moment, she's like, how could God allow something like this to happen? Hey, and let's lean into the one that we follow. His name is Jesus. We see his humanity as he's coming towards the end of his life. He's in the garden. He's all alone. He asked his disciples, hey, would you guys pray with me? Hey, would you guys kind of help me out? I'm really feeling the pressure right now. You know, I've done lots of things for you guys. I, 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 I've loved you. I've cared for you. I mean, I, I, I called you as my disciples. I just need you to sit here for a couple minutes and pray with me. And they fall asleep. The Bible says that Jesus knelt on a rock and he literally, God, is it possible Heavenly Father, is it possible that this direction of my life could maybe go into a different direction? I mean, the humanity in that moment. Yes, Jesus was God. He knew exactly what was going to happen. But we get to see that even in that moment, he's wrestling and he's struggling. So why does God allow? Why does God allow the pain and the suffering and all the pressure that you feel in, in life? Are you ready? I'm going to give you a few things. I want you to write them down. I really believe they're going to be a help. I believe God will do something great in your life if you'll just lean into this Bible study. Number one, maybe the most important thing that I hope you can understand. Watching online, I want you guys to join me now. I want you to write these big ideas down. Come on, stay with me online. Are you ready? Number one, you need to know this. Is God is not immune from suffering. God didn't say, like, listen, I'm going to make all them human peeps down there go through a difficult time. I'm going to make, right, that, 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 that student, that teenager who just before prom, all of a sudden you get that pimple right on the front of your nose, and the whole world's going to come to an end. Because, well, how could you let this happen, God? I'm going to let her stay single. I'm going to let him go through a divorce. I'm going to send, you know, all these terrible earthquakes and hurricanes and, and, and tornadoes, and I'm going to let all the humanity suffer. I'm going to allow some humans to steal little boys and little girls from one place and sell them into sex trafficking in another place. Ah, that's what I'll do. But me, God, I'm staying in heaven. I'm chilling 
I got my beach chair. I got the right view. I'm going to insulate myself. I'm going to isolate myself from all the evil and all the suffering. Let me tell you something. God's not immune. Notice what the Bible says, Isaiah 53 and 3, speaking of Jesus. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest of grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And so that, that hurt that, that you feel from someone despising you, that somebody turning their back on you, God wasn't insulated. God went through that very same pain. Look at Hebrews 4 and 15. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Every temptation, every pressure point, every problem, every sorrow, Jesus Christ went through it just like you and I, but the difference is he stayed satisfied. When you and I get tempted, when we see someone post something on Facebook, when we see an injustice, we wanna take in our hand, we wanna straighten it all out. We, we wanna, we, or we feel slighted. We wanna let that other person know. We wanna reach out against them or, or we're feeling down, right? We go in the opposite direction. Jesus went in the direction of God. Notice 1 Peter 3 and 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. He's not immune from it. He suffered. He went through the ultimate pain, the ultimate suffering. I don't have to unpack for you the pain and the suffering, the sorrow. What's somewhat concerning is many of us who are Christ followers, right? We've detached ourselves from that pain. We've detached ourselves from that suffering that he went through. But not just the physical suffering, but the, the mental anguish, the emotional, when God the Father literally turned his back on him because he was carrying all the sins of the world on him while he hung on the cross. He did that. He who is righteous became the unrighteous because we are unrighteous. You got to know this. God does not cause the evil and the suffering. Humans made a deliberate decision at the beginning of time to turn their back on God. And when they turned their back on God, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, everything in life that hurts you came into the world. And to this very day, all the suffering, all the hurts, all the problems are continual process of us trying to take things into our own hands. God did not cause it, but hear me, God is in control of it. God has not relinquished his control just because they're suffering. God didn't cause it, but he has to approve it the devil had to ask for permission to job he looked down and said hey god the only reason job is good to you is because you're good to him take away all the goodness take away his money take away his family take away his social standing take away everything that you've done good for job and he will turn his back on you and god said you think so he said all right god gave permission in the new testament the adversary was looking at Peter, and he saw the potential in Peter. He saw how Peter could be a, a difference maker, and he had to ask permission in those words that Jesus penned. That, that, that he said, Peter, the devil wants to sift you like wheat, but I won't allow it. In other words, God has not caused 
the hurt and the pain and the sorrow that you see in the world, but he is certainly in control of it. And I know you're saying, but Mark, I, I, this is where I struggle. I mean, if God is in control, why would he allow, why, why would God, God allow a coronavirus? Why would God even allow a world pandemic? I mean, God, why would you allow me in this great country? I mean, on our money, it says in God we trust, and there's all this thing. I mean, God, why would you allow all the racial tension? I mean, why can't people look at other people and say, hey, listen, all right, I love you, you love me, we're a happy family, with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say I love you too? I mean, God, if you're God, isn't that a whole lot funner? Yeah? I mean, come on, God, why would you allow all these things? Why would you allow people to get cancer? Why, God? Why? I mean, you, we ask over and over and over. And you know, I don't know completely why God allows all of those things. And the Bible says, I, I pointed you to that right now we don't fully see, we don't fully understand, we don't grasp all that God does intellectually. If we could, if you could grasp, if you could have God totally figured out, what would you need God for? Why, why would you lean into him? Why would you worship him? Why would we sing songs like we sang this morning? I'm going to see the victory. If we're in control, if we own the day, we don't need God. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are greater than our our thoughts and who are we to stand in judgment right to stand in judgment give god a, a a tongue wagging and you know blow up our twitter account and say i can't believe god did this and i can't believe can you i mean if, if god's so good why does he allow that and why what the problem is a bunch of us have the i am backwards most of our struggle is somewhere along the line we have forgotten when we ask the question why does god allow bad things to happen so can I ask you a, a question might be, might, might be too deep, but maybe I'll, I'll risk it anyways. If, if we're wrestling with the idea, why does God allow bad things to happen? Have you ever asked that question? We're wrestling with that, right? Why would God allow bad things to happen, right? Okay, so are you ready? You still love me afterwards, okay? Please, promise, okay. So why does God allow you to live? Why does God allow you to happen? The Bible says we've all sinned. Every single one of us. The last, thing I lost, last time I checked, sin is not a good thing. Sin required God to die on a cross. So we start asking the question, well, why does God allow bad things to happen? Why does God allow you to happen? Why does God allow us to exist? We've, we've got an I am problem. Many of us have, have inserted the I am as far as who God is, is in our own image rather than in God's image. But I gotta tell you this, it's so important. You need to know this, that God does not cause the evil. God is certainly in control it, but God always does something when no matter what the evil is in the world, God always does this. He always chooses to sabotage it. Yes, God allowed that, that evil, terrible, no good thing to happen. It's happened in the world. He did not cause it, but he allowed it to happen. But know this, he always 
plans to sabotage it. He always inserts a Trojan horse. At the end of the day, all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Absolutely, that's something to get excited about. Now, now, make sure you understand what God says. All things are worked together for the good to who? To those who love God. I'm not talking about when life's going exactly how you want it to be. I'm just saying 24-7, 365 doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means I've leaned into the story that I'm going to choose to love God. God is good. I don't, under, ever, I don't understand everything that's going on, but I choose to love God, and I'm called according to his purposes. Now we can claim the promise. Notice Genesis 50 and 20 on the screen. He said this. This is a story, in case you're not familiar. Check this out. There's a guy named Joseph. I won't tell you the whole story, but at the end of the day, his brothers beat him, threw him in a pit, and they sold him to slavery. Evil or not evil? Not so good, right? I, I mean, really, really bad. He's taken and he's sold. He, I mean, human trafficking. He is sold. You understand, all the problems and pressures and the sorrows and the sin that you see in the world, all the stuff that's so ugly, we think, oh man, that's a 2020 thing. Huh. Since he became president, look how the whole world's fallen about. You need to understand, evil has been around since Adam and Eve turned away from God. And so now we got this guy, right? He's sold as a slave. He begins to kind of reshape his attitude. He's doing the right things. He's, he's obeying his master. And then his master's wife says, hey, you be looking good. You got yourself a six-pack. Look at them deltoids. Buddy, you looking good. My husband's away. Let's be together, if you know what I mean. And he's like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't, I can't, 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 can't. And he runs. He runs, right? When his master gets home, she totally lies and says, that slave raped me and he's thrown in prison i mean this guy's life is upside down at the end of that story he finds himself serving pharaoh serving the king and now he's second in command those boys his brothers that had first beat him and threw him in a pit they have no food so they're coming to egypt to try to get some food and they see their brother face to face and here's what he says. Genesis 50 and 20. He says to his brothers, you meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil, God saw the evil, but God turned the evil into good to save the lives of many people, which is being done. I'm telling you, God sabotages. There's all kinds of evil. There's bad things that have happened in your life. You're hurting, you're limping, you don't understand. You watch your television set, you're saying, oh my goodness, Mark, look at all the stuff that's happening. Know this. God has not insulated himself. God has gone through all the suffering, all the problems, all the pressures that you and I have gone through. But he also, with every, every bit of evil, he sabotages it. He puts a Trojan horse in it. Whatever happened, that story of, Job, who lost everything, his family, his wife, all of his cash. Oh yeah, Job 42. In the end, Job had 
twice as much as he had in the beginning. I'm telling you, God always chooses to sabotage. He gets in the middle of what people intend for evil, and he shows up and turns it into good. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that one story. Remember, whatever happened to her? She's a teenage girl. Um, um, God says you're pregnant. She has to go to Joe. Oh, can you imagine how Twitter blew up that night? Could you imagine all the TikToks? God said I did. God, God said he did it. Oh, yeah. God said he did it. Oh, yeah. God said he did it. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, you can see all the TikToks that are being... being some of you just have to ask your grandkids. They'll tell you about TikTok, right? I, I, I mean, you can see, I mean, her parents and everybody who would disassociate themselves with Mary. Oh, oh how'd that turn out? Oh, yeah. She became the mother of our Savior. Wow! I'm here to tell you that God, no matter what's evil, no matter what might look like it's the end of the day, God chooses to get in the middle of it, and he sabotages it, and he turns it out for good. How about that story about that guy named Jesus? He walked the earth and talked, and people got so mad at him that they, they, they had a, a fake trial, and they accused him of things that he had never done. They whipped him, they hung him on a tree, they crossed their arms and they scorned and they laughed at him. I, I, I mean, they said, hey, hey, hello, hey. If you're God, come down. Come on now. If, if, I mean, you, you supposedly brought other people back from dead. You caused blind eyes to see. I mean, come on, if you really the real deal. Could you imagine what those TikToks would look like? And then he took his last breath. And then a Roman soldier came and took his spear and jabbed it right up under his ribs, piercing his heart. Truly, Jesus died of a broken heart. Many people thought that's just the end. And that first day ended, second day ended. But oh yeah, there's a third day. And the evil of taking God himself and requiring him to die on a cross so all of us who are sinful could be now adopted into God's family and we can have hope in this life and eternal life because Jesus Christ came back. I'm telling you that he gets in the middle of the evil no matter what it might be, no matter what you might be going through. You need to know online he sabotages that evil and in the end, all things work together for the good. I'm telling you, let's go. Start up the engines, the band, come on. This is helping you. This will help you as you talk to your, your friends, as we go through some difficult times and trials. Let me give you one more thing to kind of lean out on today is this. Third thing is God does have a strategy for it. There, 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 there is a purpose. There is, there is a reason I'm going to give you a couple things to write down. You can, you can lean into these things this, this week because you're struggling with this, and, and you should be. Things in life are not fair. Things in life are unjust. Things in life do not go your way. The idea of discovering peace, hear me, please, Christ followers. The idea of finding peace by eliminating the problems of the world is going to cause greater frustration and irritation and agitation in your life. You do not find peace by the absence of problems. You find peace by the presence of God. Amen. 
bringing God's presence in the middle of what's evil, bringing God's presence in the middle of your suffering, bringing God's presence in the middle of your pain, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is, that's how you get up the next day. That's how you step out and be encouraged. He's got a plan, and his plan is good. He's got a strategy. Write this down. Number one is this. Are you ready? I'm gonna blow your mind away. He wants to create joy in your life. What, what? I wish I could see how some of you are looking at me like, really? So you're telling me PMC right off the bat that his strategy in causing pain and suffering and sorrow and loss in my life is to create joy? I think I might disagree. Well, here, check out James 1, 2 through 4. Your brothers and sisters in the house, when troubles of any kind come your way. Anybody have troubles? Anybody get troubled by what you're seeing on the TV? Get troubled what you're seeing all around you? Trouble with your kids? Trouble with your grandkids? I mean, brothers and sisters in the house, brothers and sisters online, when troubles, does it say if troubles? It says when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for complaining. Get your complaint sheet out. And start talking about how unfair and how unjust, how terrible, no good that other side is. That person, I can't believe that people. What's it say? An opportunity for what? Maybe the reason a lot of us are walking around is because you keep thinking that that trouble is something for you to avoid rather than something for you to lean in so you can get your party on. I'm telling you. Some of the most sourpuss, face-looking people are supposedly Christ followers. Can't believe what's going on. Oh, my goodness. Don't know what's happening. You look and see all the things we're saying. My goodness, do you not understand? Put Put the verses back on the screen, gang. This is God's word to us. When troubles come your way, it's an opportunity. Hey, to you investors in the world, it's as if tomorrow the stock market was going to go down 50%. I know that's a bad thing for just a moment, but you had insider information that the next day it was going to go right back up 100%. You'd be like, I'm all in. Even I, Gary, would be a kind of person who says, I'm all in, which I'm inside joke. I'm a conservative guy when it comes to that stuff. He's saying, when these troubles come, it's an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's a lot of us who've gone to church for decades. Problem is, is you're out of shape spiritually. You can't walk up a flight of stairs without losing your breath spiritually because you thought you thought that the identity of a God-favored life is having no problems, and that is a lie. you got to stretch out your spiritual muscles, and the only way you get healthy is when you tax your muscles. That's the only way. The reason I go to the YMCA, hey, the YMCA, is because, listen, at 55, i got to... We gotta tax our muscles. We gotta work them out. What God wants you to know, the troubles, the problems, the pressures, 
The pain that you have in your life, it's not something to turn and run away from. It's something to turn and run and lead into. Why? Because they lead us to God. The joy, listen, the joy that you're looking for in your life. Okay, let me ask a question. Who would, who would rather have sadness in their life? Can I say, just say, I want to I wanna wake up tomorrow and be sad. I want to be, you know what? I just want to be Eeyore. I'm going to go down to the tattoo pot. I'm going to get Eeyore tattooed right across my chest. Oh, no. Went to church. Coronavirus. All going to die. School's opening. End of the world. Big Ten football. That's a little too personal for y'all don't know that I'm an Ohio State fan. <laughs> I wish they'd bring it on, right? Right? Here's the, These trials and troubles, they do something that, that takes you to a whole nother way. It takes you from Eeyore to being who? Don't look at me that. A lot of you wish you could get up in the morning and do that, don't you? Right? It's like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Woo! Right? Here, check out the screen. Second Corinthians chapter 1, 8 to 10. Look at this. We do not want you to be uninformed. That's literally PMC's message for you today. I don't want you to be uninformed, bros and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We could say the troubles you're experiencing in the province of the United States. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised of life itself. Some of us have felt that way, right? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but God who raises the dead. I'm just telling you, the greatest thing that's happened to the United States of America is that a whole bunch of us have realized we can't rely on ourselves. It's not about what we can do. It's not about where we show up on Sunday. It's who we stand for and live for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and we, he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What's that, old, what's, what's that old song? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Someone who knows it, help me out. Yeah, y'all don't know it, sorry. Okay, just forget about that. Just erase it. Let me give you something third, and we'll wind this down. Is, is this right? So here, 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 here. When, when we understand there's a strategy, it brings joy to our life. It brings you to God. When you come to the end of yourself, you discover the beginning of God. God's not in competition with you. God's not going to try to prove himself. When you find the end of you, think about it. For many of you, when God has become most real is when you found yourself at the end of your real. It's true. Most of us, I know you because I've been in your lives. I've, I've been there. We've talked about those very difficult, trying moments in your life. And when you came to the end of who you are, 
you discovered the beginning of God. First Peter, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. God's got a strategy for the pain. He wants to bring you to God. He, he, he wants you to discover him. He wants you to know him because when you know him, life is at its best. He wants the power of God just to fall on. He wants you to experience God's power. He doesn't want you to walk around feeling that you can't, that you're limited. He wants that power to settle on you, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Hey, let's, let's, start, a, let's start a movement. And all the stuff that you're seeing in social media and it's us versus them, that third option Bible study that we, is so powerful. Lean in and say, listen, all I know is this. I'm gonna boast. I'm not boasting about a, a political candidate, candidate. I'm not boasting about mask or no mask. I'm not boasting about this or that. When I'm gonna choose my life, I'm gonna leverage my voice. I'm boasting about Jesus. That's game changing. You wanna change your culture. You, you, people think, I can't believe what's happening to America. I can't believe what's happening and blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen, as a Christ follower, choose from this day to say going forward, there's lots of problems. There's lots of pressures. There's lots of injustice. There's a lot of sorrow. There's evil. There's all kinds of unjust things that are happening in the world, in my marriage, with my kids, all over the place. All I know is this. I'm going to use my voice, my voice to boast about Jesus all my anxiety I'm going to boast about Jesus when I feel rejected I'm going to boast about Jesus when, when I fear what's going to happen next I'm going to boast about Jesus hey when we gather at a cemetery on a Thursday and Nanazan is in a real place called heaven that's inside of between Mason and I the only strength we had in that day is because we knew where Nana's on. We knew where Nana was, didn't we? We know. When we gather, Nancy, 7 o'clock digitally, it'll be different. The whole world will be online to celebrate Cy River's life. But we will be able to celebrate. We will be able to lean into the pain of death because death is real. And, and, and your family, you miss your husband. Your children miss your husband. Your, your grandchildren, right? There is sorrow. There is suffering. But the difference is, is we know that God has sabotaged it. When he sent his son Jesus, he said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be unto God, which gives you, Nancy, the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my dearly beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm telling you, yes, there's pain. Yes, there's sorrow. And people are going to ask that question, why does God allow it? But your faith has been strengthened today. Because number one, you saw that God, God is not immune. That little communion cup that you hold in your hands, would you grab that? That little communion cup. I mean, God is not immune from the suffering. If you didn't get a communion cup, you can just lift your hand up we've got hosts who will bring one to you but that little that communion cup it represents how God himself was not immune but aren't you glad 
that what evil men intended to destroy the voice of Christ in the moment of time, that God sabotaged their evil in the moment of time, and God created a movement for all time so that you and you and you and you and me and everybody online, all of us become adopted into the family of God. God's got a strategy. He loves you. And I'm telling you, he loves you. I'm not minimizing the pain that you might have right now. Your pain is real. Your sorrow, your suffering, these things that go through us in life. But hear me. If you will choose to listen to God this morning, your joy will be found in not running from that pain, but leaning into it. Your pain and your sorrow and your suffering will bring you into the very presence of God. And when the presence, when you experience the presence of God, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that a Becky Strausser needs to have as she buried her husband, the peace that you need to have when life doesn't make any sense at all, it is found not from the absence of problems, but the presence of God. Yes! So when you lean into this thing we call communion, in time it was an ordinary meal that Jesus was having with his disciples. It's been named the Last Supper because it'd be the last time that he would eat with them. But we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that the Apostle Paul, he continued, he reminded them that this, this moment would reveal to you that God, God does not cause the problems in the world. God does not cause the sorrow and the evil. But God chose to sabotage it. And God's got a plan. He doesn't want anybody to miss out on him. And I don't know where you might be this morning in the story of your life. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I invite you right here this morning to start online. If you've never begun, I know there's been some really challenging things happen in your life. I, I get it. It's been unfair. I, I, I get it. You've been overlooked. But God sent his son Jesus and he went through everything that you've gone through. And he stands before you. He knocks on the heart, your heart, your mind this morning. And he says, would you believe in me? He's not asking you to become a church member. He's not asking you to clean up your life. He's not asking you to do better good over here and less bad over there. He's saying, I took care of all that. I'm asking, will you choose today to believe that you've sinned? The Bible says all have sinned, every single one of us. That's why Jesus died. Will you choose to ask him to forgive you of that and to come into your life? Right where you're sitting, you can have a conversation in your mind and just simply say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you today in a way that's unlike any other moment. It's all become crystal clear. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead so that I could come back to God. And to those of you who are having that very simple conversation, welcome to God's family. You see what you hold in your hand. 
is a picture of the story that you just prayed. If you, everybody would, and those online join me, would you? You can see there's a couple pullback tabs. That, that first tab, as you pull it back, there's a little wafer there. And that night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took a loaf of bread. It tasted much better than this. <laughs> Sterilized styrofoam. But it's not, it's not the element in your fingers. It's the posture of your heart. Because you see that night, his heart was broken because he knew that he was going to the cross. And so he said that his body was, was broken. He wanted you to understand that he was not immune from the suffering. He wanted you to understand that, listen, I'm up to something really good. You might not be able to see it all clearly right now in your life, but you trust me, you believe in me, you acknowledge me, and I'll direct your paths. So he said, and I say to you, Church of Hope, and I say to you joining me online, Christ said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. There's a second tab on that little cup. If you just pull that back carefully, if you're wearing a white t-shirt. The Bible says that that night after supper, he took the cup. This is, this is juice. It's symbolic of his blood. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Up until Jesus' life and his death, the only way any human being could have access to God was through the high priest. The only way. The saddest thing today would be you thinking that your access to God comes through a pastor, comes through a spouse, comes through a denomination. You see, the night that Jesus died, the veil was torn. And now every man and every woman, because of Jesus, can step into the Holy of Holies with God because we have been adopted. We are called royalty with God. And so that night, he took that cup. He said, guys, I want you to know this is the new covenant. Everything's changed. From this moment forward, you can always know that my presence will be in you and with you. I will leave the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you in all things of me. And so he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me, please? I'm asking John and Renee to come back. And as an anthem this morning, whatever suffering, whatever trial, whatever evil thing that you might see in the world, Will you lean into this worship song with us? Will you declare with your lips out loud that no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you're feeling, no matter how much the odds might be stacked against you, always remember that God gets in the middle of the evil and he sabotages it. He has a plan. He has a strategy that we will, we will see the victory that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that the promise of our Almighty God is that we will see the victory.